Hello everyone, welcome to Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. So, even though it's still Sunday and this episode will be coming out today, I'm also doing the recording and editing all today as well. It's been a very crazy week. About a week and a half ago, unbeknownst to me, our puppy rolled around in Boys and Ivy. She then rolled all over me and rolled all over my wife, and so we both have crazy amounts of poison ivy. My wife's was kind of more spread over her body. Mine was more concentrated in certain areas, and it was extremely uncomfortable, very gross to look at, made the week extremely difficult. So yeah, this is all coming out a little late for me, but should still be on time for you guys, which is good. I've been really overwhelmed the past few weeks now at the amount of support that I have gotten in starting this podcast and the feedback that I've been getting has all been wonderful as well. And so to everyone who has liked or shared or supported this podcast in any way, thank you so much. We actually have a few things hopefully in the works that I will be able to bring to you guys. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to talk to some people here in the next few episodes possibly about just any and everything Harry Potter that we can. But with that said, if anyone who is listening does have any feedback they'd like to give, any critiques, any support, anything whatsoever, please send me an email, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you want to address anything that I might have misspoke on, let me know. I'll read it live here. Everyone can hear it. We can hear your thoughts. We can maybe get a back and forth going. And I think it would be really exciting to hear what you guys have to think. So please email me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group under the same name, Common Room Talk. If you guys want to join, please do. We'll get the word spread as far as possible so we can get anyone who loves Harry Potter to listen. Last week, we ended with the Dursleys and Harry and Pierce Polkus, if you have never read the books. If you're just a movies person, you don't know who Piers is. But they're all at the zoo, and Dudley kind of just punched Harry in the ribs. He fell to the floor. Piers and Dudley are looking into the snake enclosure. They're up against the glass. Harry looks up. Boom. Accidental magic. Glass is gone. In the movies, it only has Dudley. He falls into the cage. In the books, Piers and Dudley kind of jump back. Snake comes out, says thanks, slithers on his way. And yeah, something I wanted to talk about last week, which is, I I know this is one of those things that has kind of been passed around the internet for quite a while now, but it would have been really cool if they found a way, or if JK found a way to make that snake actually Nagini. Now, obviously, we find out who Nagini is later on in the series, and we find out through Fantastic Beasts and where to find them who she actually is, which I'm not going to talk about that, but it is really interesting the way that she did it. However, it would have been just another really cool way to tie it in had the boa that Harry released been Nagini in one way or another. That would have just been mind-blowing. It would have been a cool way, I think, to even have it like how... Peter Pettigrew was in Harry's debt for saving his life. Spoiler alert, we won't talk about it yet. Anyways, that happens. He's in Harry's debt. It would have been really cool to see kind of like that complex situation where if he had released released Nagini, she would have been in his debt somehow. But 
as that doesn't happen, it's neither here nor there. It was just a fun idea to kind of expand on a little bit. But because of that, we see that the Dursleys are kind of in a panic. They're talking with the zoo director who can't explain what happened. On the way home, Pierre says that Harry was talking to the snake. Harry then gets punished, put into his cupboard. And that's where we left off that chapter. And so today, we're going to jump right into the third chapter, The Letters from No One. So we see that Harry actually received his longest punishment for this. He was being locked up in the cupboard, and it says until the start of the summer holidays. Now, if my research is correct, and the UK summer holidays started around the end of July, that means Harry was locked up in his cupboard for over a month. And so what does that look like, being locked in his cupboard for a month outside of it just naturally sounding terrible? Well, in the Chamber of Secrets, after the Dobby incident in the start of the book, Harry was locked up, and it says that he was given food through a cat flap and allowed out in the morning and the evening to use the bathroom. And that was it. Now, I would say apply that to being locked up in his cupboard, possibly only being let out to use the bathroom in the morning and the evening. Now, this is disgusting. And if we knew anything else about the Dursleys, this is enough to make you dislike them for all time. I would honestly put them at the top or very near the top of the list of people I don't like in this story because of this. Now, I won't get, obviously, into the semantics of punishment and the fine line that also is probably child abuse, but this is not a form of grounding. This is literally imprisonment, and it's disgusting. I hate it. It makes me angry. Enough said. But we see in the book, there's only a few sentences really given to that, and so then he is let out of this punishment. And we see now, even in the very beginning here of the first book, that Harry likes to escape into the neighborhood. We also see that while he's out in the neighborhood, he tries to avoid Dudley's gang, which is something that we also see in the start of Order of the Phoenix. And again, it's just one of these small things that tie the two different books together really well. You see the similarities in them, and I think it's really cool. We also then get to find out about their muggle schools, Smeltings, which is where Vernon had went to school, and Stonewall High, which is where Harry is supposed to go to school, which he's actually excited about because for the first time, he won't be around Dudley. He'll be able to kind of just start his own life and be his own person and not have to worry about the influence that Dudley and his gang have at the school and the people there who wouldn't talk to him because they were afraid of making Dudley angry. And we get one of the first brilliant bit of British humor, which I love. I grew up watching movies like Monty Python and the Search of the Holy Grail, and I love these things. Even like the older version of Whose Line Is It Anyway, that was hosted by Clive Anderson. These shows and the movies just were packed with a bunch of British, even dry British humor, and it really shaped my sense of humor and the things that I find funny. And so when I see things like this in this book, which is obviously very much just solely British, English, UK influenced, it is 
great to see this kind of sense of humor in there. And so I, I want to go ahead and read what it says, because I think it's really funny. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local comprehensive. Dudley thought this was very funny. They stuff people's heads down the toilet first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? No thanks, said Harry. The poor toilet's never had anything as horrible as your head down it. It might be sick. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he had said. Now, in the movies, you don't get this. In the books, you do. And it's brilliant. I love it. It's really funny. It's one of the things, especially if you're listening to the audiobooks, Jim Dale, which I, again, I've listened to parts of Stephen Fry. I enjoy them. I thoroughly love Jim Dale. The audiobook is by far my favorite way of going through the series. And if you have never been through the series through the audiobook, I cannot recommend it enough. Please download Overdrive on your phone. You can rent them for free through a public library where you live as long as you have a library card. You can get them on Audible if you want to pay for them. But listen to them. They are amazing. Anyways, you get these little bits of just humor, these back and forth. And something that I do enjoy about Harry and Dudley is, yeah, Dudley is a bully. Harry takes it and he gives it back. And you you do see this kind of childish banter back and forth. And again, I will not condone what Dudley does. He is a bully. But there are times in here where you do see him go back and forth like this, where Harry's not afraid to do this. And I, and I love it. And again, this back and forth is not something that you get in the movies. Now, I do know that in the extended edition, or it would have been originally a deleted scene that they added into the extended edition, you kind of see this scene where Dudley's looking really smug and he's wearing his smeltings uniform with his little hat on top. And I can't remember, I think it might have his walking stick with him that they, that they get issued to them inside of smeltings. And we also get the description of the uniform for Dudley in the book. And we also get another fantastic name as he's wearing his uniform. He's, he's showing his parents and he gets called Ickle Dudleykins. And it's, again, one of my favorites. I love the names that he gets called because it says Aunt Petunia burst into tears and she said she couldn't believe it was her Ickle Dudleykins. And then Uncle Vernon said gruffly that it was the proudest moment of his life. This is painful and funny. And in regards to that, Harry says he didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two of his ribs might have already cracked from trying not to laugh. Then we see Harry's uniform being done. This is both in the movie, which is in the extended edition or the deleted scenes, as well as here in the book. And it says that there was a horrible smell in the kitchen. This is the next morning, by the way, when Harry went in for breakfast and it seemed to be coming from a large metal tub in the sink. And what he thought was dirty rags in there ended up actually being his new school uniform when he asked Petunia about it. And again, she immediately snapped on him. Don't be stupid and don't ask questions. And she says that she's dying some of Dudley's old things gray so he can have a uniform. And she says he's going to look just like everyone else when she is finished. But inside of all that, something I, I wanted to point out, which I think is really funny, again, something that you see about Harry, when he asks about what it was, and Petunia says, your new school uniform, he said, I didn't realize it had to be so wet. And this is a characteristic about Harry that I love. And it's, it's so funny to me. You get his little jab here. 
And it's great because you see that he's not afraid of his aunt or uncle, just as if he's not afraid of Dudley. He picks at Dudley, even though Dudley bullies him, and he's not afraid of jabbing at Petunia or Vernon, even though they treat him like scum. He's not afraid, despite the way that he has been treated, the way he just doesn't fear them, despite it. It's it's wonderful to me. So, as I said, it was the next morning. Harry was in the kitchen, so he then sits down at the table. Then they heard a click at the letterbox, and really, this is it. This is the moment, really, that changes Harry's life as he knows it. Obviously, we know a great deal more than he does at this point, as he's been lied to and everything. But we know that this really it. This is this is when things start to happen for Harry and things start to change. And this is this is the pivotal moment for the entire series. Vernon tells Dudley to get the post. Dudley tells him to tell Harry. Vernon then tells Harry to get the post. Harry tells Vernon to make Dudley go get the post. Vernon tells Dudley to hit Harry with his smelting stick. So Harry goes and gets the post. And there are a few things there on the floor. First is a postcard from Marge, which again is really cool that we see her being talked about again this early in the book. Then there was a yellow envelope that Harry thought looked like a bill. And then a letter addressed to him. And immediately it says that Harry's heart starts going nuts, that he had never had anyone write to him before, that he had no friends no other relatives, which is huge. I think that's very important. It's very easily overlooked that this is very early on, and it is established that as far as Harry knows right now, he has no other relatives alive. And that he wasn't a library member anywhere, so he wouldn't get any post about having any overdue books. But there it was. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, four privet drive, Little Whinging, Surrey. And it says that the envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment, and the address was written in emerald green ink. There was no postage stamp. So the letter that came for him, it was addressed extremely specifically to him and his little cupboard. And again, there was no postage stamp, yet it came with the rest of the mail. Now again, I know that this is early on, in the series and in her story, and that throughout really the rest of it, we see posts and everything being delivered by owls. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. But I think it is really interesting that we see it here specifically with the rest of the post. And as we get further descriptions of the letter, we see for the first time the Hogwarts coat of arms, its sigil, its symbol that we all know and love. It says that it had a lion an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding a large letter H. Harry heads back into the kitchen. He hands Vernon the rest of the mail and keeps the letter. We hear Vernon say, oh, Marge is ill. She ate a funny whelk. This part is also in the movies. And I like that it's picked up there in the movies because it seems like a small little detail to talk about. But they put it in the movies, which is really cool because it obviously then ties to a few stories a few stories, a few books later. Then Dudley yells, Harry's got something, but Vernon grabs the letter, whereas in the movie, we see Dudley grabs it and then runs over towards his father. Here in the book, Vernon actually grabs the letter. Harry yells, that's mine. 
Vernon replies, who would be writing to you? Then we see his face change colors from red to green. It says faster than traffic lights. Then it turns to a grayish white. Vernon then calls Petunia over. She takes the letter, looks at it, and it looks as though she might faint. She's clutching her throat and she begins making choking noises. Now this is obviously much more dramatic than what we see in the movies as they kind of all just gather around Vernon. It's Dudley Petunia on either side of Vernon. They look down at the letter, then they look up at Harry and Harry just gulps in the movie. But here in the book, it is much more dramatic. Vernon and Petunia stare at each other and then they tell the boys to get out of the kitchen. Vernon then forcefully removes them. The boys then wrestle at the door to see who listens at the keyhole. Harry loses. He has to listen at the crack of the door. Then we see Petunia and Vernon kind of going back and forth about the letter and what's going on. They're wondering if whoever sent the letters is watching them as they knew exactly where Harry was and where to address it, so specifically to. And out of this back and forth... Vernon decides that they're not going to do anything. He says, no, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We won't do anything. Petunia then tries to intercede, says, but, but is immediately cut off with Vernon saying, I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in, we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense. And again, you see the awareness of Vernon. He knows what is going on. He knows essentially what Harry is or what he could be, what he has going on inside of him. He's aware of this other world. We're going to talk about that, I think, more in the next chapter, so maybe the next episode or the episode after that, in regards to when you actually see the revelation of him knowing these things and what Petunia has to say about the situation. And so we're going to talk about that more then, but as for now... You just see him, again, being aware of everything, and to the point where he says, didn't we swear that we would stamp out this rubbish? And that makes me wonder if that is the motivation, almost, behind why they treat Harry so cruelly. Like, maybe if they make him so miserable and depressed that they could literally weed out what is going on inside of him, which, fun little story, we can, we'll talk about this at a different time, but we see what happens to Dumbledore's sister when you try and repress these things, which she had an active part in repressing it herself, which is different, but we see that bad, terrible things happen when you try to repress and hide magical abilities. Then we move forward to that evening when Vernon comes home from work and he visits Harry, He goes to his cupboard and he tells him that the letter wasn't addressed to him. It was a mistake and that he was actually going to be moving into Dudley's second bedroom, which crazy. Yes, he has two bedrooms in this house that has four. Two are his, one for his sleeping, one for his toys. Harry then moves all of his stuff literally in one trip and he's stretching out on his bed as he hears Dudley throwing a tantrum downstairs but he thinks to himself that he didn't want the room he would have given anything for the room the day before but now all he really wants is his letter and he could care less about having this bedroom to himself now and then the next morning it's breakfast everything was really quiet it says that Dudley was in shock he had never had to deal with this kind of 
thing before that this this emotional just onslaught against his spoiled pompous bratty kind of upbringing he's never been treated like this before and i want to tell you something about i don't know if you've ever caught this before in the the book here but just speaking of him being a spoiled little brat for a second this is uh it's frustrating it says none of this about like the second bedroom is in the in the movie and is like well as dudley's tantrum is also not in the movie and it's probably good because dudley does something that is absolutely atrocious it says during his tantrum he he yelled at his parents he hit his dad with his smelting stick and he threw his tortoise through the greenhouse roof that's so infuriating to me i can't believe that he would do something like that he took a live tortoise and threw it through the greenhouse roof I would like to believe that the tortoise is okay, living his best tortoisey life somewhere away from Dudley now. However, that's so angering. This is terrible. Why? This child needs to be spanked. He needs to be punished. He needs to spend a day with Umbridge or something because that's terrible. Anyways, the post comes again. This time, Vernon's ready. He tells Dudley to go get it. Now there's another envelope. It is addressed to Harry, but now in the bedroom. So they they knew that he had changed sleeping places in the house. And then we kind of have this wrestling match between all of them happening, with all of them being Harry, Dudley, and Vernon. It says, with a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and ran down the hall. One, it would have been hilarious to see that in the movie, him running down the hall towards Harry. Harry is right behind him. Uncle Vernon had to wrestle Dudley to the ground to get the letter from him, which was made difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck from behind. And after a minute of confused fighting in which everyone got hit a lot by the smelting stick, Uncle Vernon straightened up, gasping for breath with Harry's letter clutched in his hand. And then he tells him to go to his room and tells Dudley to go away. So the next morning, Harry actually has a plan. He's going to sneak out before everyone's up, and he's going to go wait for the postman on the corner of the street. However, as he's sneaking downstairs, I'm guessing this is assuming all the lights are turned off because it says that when he gets to the bottom of the stairs, he trods on something that makes a huge noise and kind of just moves about. Turns out that he steps on Uncle Vernon's face. When Vernon gets the post this time, because he gets it himself, there are now three letters addressed to Harry, and this basically provokes Vernon to nail the mailbox shut. It says, kind of stupidly, if they can't deliver them, they will give up. Oh, Vernon. Now we're on Friday. There are 12 letters that show up. They're coming in through the cracks in the door and the cracks in the windows, And you see this just kind of escalating. Vernon then boards up all of the doors. He nails the cracks shut. He nails the the windows shut. So there's no way that they can slip through this time. And I don't, this is really funny, but it says as he did this, as he worked, he hummed tiptoe through the tulips as he worked. And it said that he jumped at small noises. So he's spooked as well. He, he doesn't understand what's going on. He understands to a point of what's going on. He knows why they're trying to reach Harry, but he doesn't understand why his efforts to stop them are essentially in vain, and it's really starting to spook him. 
Then on Saturday, 24 letters start showing up and some of them came inside of eggs. The milkman dropped them off and he, it was just crazy. She, Petunia starts opening these eggs and there they are inside. And this is also one of the things you see inside of either the deleted scenes or the extended edition of the first movie. She starts cracking open eggs and pulling out these envelopes that are addressed to Harry inside of them. And then Sunday, which we we know in the movie is Vernon just looking delighted. His hair's kind of ruffled and it looks like he's eating a biscuit or something. And he says, fine day, Sunday. In my opinion, best day of the week. Why is that, Dudley? And Dudley shrugs and Harry answers, there's no post on Sundays. Well, in the book, uh, it does it has Vernon happy. He's very content with himself. He says, no post on Sundays. Then a letter comes swooping out of the chimney and smack right in the back of the head. And this is the iconic scene in the movie where the envelope comes flying in as he says, no post on Sundays. He goes, ha, no blasted envelopes to, and then smack right in the head. And... This is where we get to see all of them start shooting out of the chimney. And Harry, for some reason, stands up on the table and he tries to start catching them as they're falling in air. And I I don't think that Harry is unintelligent by any means. He showed through the, the books, at least, that he is very intelligent. I won't talk about the movies because one of the aspects that I hate about the movies is that they sometimes kind of make him look like a lunkhead who has no idea what's going on. However, in the books, he's actually rather intelligent. But in this moment, he's, what are you doing, bro? Like he's standing up and he's trying to catch them in the air. Just grab one off the floor. Like they're right there at your feet. Grab one off the floor. Vernon then grabs Harry around the waist. Listen to this. He grabs him around the waist with both hands and throws him in the hallway. Just grabs him and hurls him out into the hall. I want to pause for a second before we continue on in the hallway here. Something that I want to point out is in the movies, all of this is done with owls. You see a huge emphasis on all of the owls delivering all of these letters. And in some of the deleted extra scenes or the extended edition of the movie, you see quite a few times where Vernon and Petunia go outside and there's just owls all over their porch. You see far away shots of owls on the roof and on his car. However, in the book, there are no owls mentioned at all during any of this. And this is why I brought up the point earlier about the letter showing up with the post initially. Because I'm wondering if maybe J.K. Rowling had a different plan on how she wanted these things to work. Maybe she wanted it to be that there was a type of magic that led to being able to know where somebody was. Kind of like the underage wizard tracing system. I don't know. Either way, you see... Kind of like, it's just a different way that things were really done here. There wasn't an emphasis on owls. We could probably assume now, based on what she does in the future, that it probably was owls coming in. That's why they might have used the owls so significantly in the movies. And I'm sure that probably from the start of the podcast to where we just were, there might be a difference in the voice levels as I'm probably... As Well, I am actually sitting here. I'm a little bit more animated as I'm talking about what's going on with Harry, the letters, and then the owls. It's really exciting stuff to me. I enjoy these things, these little details that you can pick up in between the movies and the books. And I just love talking about it. So I apologize if... Well, you know, I don't apologize because this is part of the show. If the If my emotion and my animation comes out through my words here, I want that. I enjoy that. And I hope you guys do as well. 
So back in the hallway, Harry was just thrown full on into the hallway. Vernon slams the door behind Petunia and Dudley as they come running in as well. Vernon tells them to be ready to leave in five minutes. Go pack some clothes, nothing else. And as he's saying this, he rips out half of his mustache. As a man of facial hair, I will tell you, this is not pleasant. Ripping out just one hair. If you're shaving and it kind of just gets caught and tugged out, it is not fun. It is not pleasant. And for this man to rip out half of his mustache, I, I, I can't comprehend it. I don't know what's going on with him. However, it does say that Nobody argues with him because he looked kind of deranged and scary with half of his mustache gone. They got in the car and they drove and they drove and they drove. All day long they drove. Finally, they stop at a hotel. In the morning while they're eating breakfast, the owner of the hotel comes over and says that she's got about a hundred letters addressed to a Mr. Potter and asks if one of them was this person. Vernon takes the letters from her. Then we see Vernon kind of growing a little more frantic. He's driving to random spots, a place in a forest, some places in some fields, then on a bridge. And this is where Dudley has his line, Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Which in the movies you see initially as the letters are coming out of the chimney and flying all over the place. And Harry kind of has brain failure as he's trying to grab them out of the air instead of grabbing them off the floor. But here in the book, we actually see it's after they've already left the house and started just driving frantically to different locations. So eventually Vernon parks the car on the coast, and he gets out of the car and then he walks away. After a while, he comes back, he has a long, thin package, and he told them to get out of the car that he found the perfect place to stay. So he points off out of the coast towards a rock that's in the middle of the water, and on that rock there is a dilapidated-looking house. And then he says he rents a boat from this weird old looking man and they piled in and they had to row their way over towards this rock. And it says the inside of the old broken down house was terrible and it smelled like seaweed. The wind whistled through gaps in the walls. You could probably smell the sea breeze coming in through, maybe even spray from the ocean and the waves breaking on the rocks coming in through. I'm imagining that it's maybe even like damp on the inside. All while this was going on, it had started storming. So it's pouring down rain. It's windy. The waves are crashing against the rocks. Not a fun time. The Dursleys then go off to bed. It says their door is opposite of where the, the boys were going to be sleeping. Dudley got the couch and it says that Harry went to find the softest piece of floor that he could find. So they're laying there. It's pretty late at night. Dudley's already asleep on the couch. Harry's laying on the floor. He has this old moth-eaten, disgusting blanket. And he looks over at Dudley's hand, which is hanging off the couch. It has his watch on his wrist. And he says that it, it's about 10 minutes until midnight. 10 minutes until his birthday. And it's really nice. On this page where it's talking about the, the countdown that's about to happen, you see... In the illustrated version here, done by Jim Kay, you have this backdrop of the ocean. It's dark, dark blues and blacks. And off in the distance, you see this really high-profile rock with this tall, narrow-looking, rickety house on the top, just silhouetted back there. These dark gray clouds in the background, and you kind of see seagulls flying around, maybe some frigate birds in there. And that's a little nod to 
Matt and his cruise creatures that you would see over in the sea over at the Fantastic Cruising Podcast. If you've ever had any interest in cruising, go listen to Fantastic Cruising where they always talk about amazing creatures that you see. And one of my favorite that they've talked about are frigate birds. And they're my favorite because the way that they eat is they pester other birds while they're flying so much that they throw up and then the frigate bird swoops down and eats their throw up in the middle of the air. It's amazing. Thank you for that, Matt. But you have this picture of the ocean, the rock, and the house, and then you have Vernon front and center with his mustache. It doesn't look like half of it's missing, though. Maybe a little continuity error there by Jim K. I don't know. Probably not. I don't want him to come after me or say anything bad about me. It's a beautiful piece of artwork. He's wearing this like bright, vibrant yellow raincoat, and he's trying to, to row the boat himself. Then the countdown for Harry's birthday. Five minutes to go, Harry heard something creak outside. And then three minutes to go, was that the sea that was slapping hard on the rocks like that? And then two minutes to go, what was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling under the sea? One minute to go, he would be 11 in 30 seconds. And then 20, 10, 9, maybe he would wake Dudley up just to annoy him. Then 3, 2, one boom the whole shack shivered and harry sat bolt up right that's where we'll end the chapter because that is the end of the chapter that is honestly probably one of the best cliffhangers in the series when it comes to ending one of the chapters i really enjoy it obviously fans of harry potter maybe not fans too anybody who's read harry potter or seen the movies they know what's coming next it's a great chapter. Chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys is next, and we'll, we'll do that next episode. But as for now, this is the end of chapter three. I really enjoy this chapter. There's a lot inside of it. You, you get a lot of information. You get little tidbits of backstories. You see more into the personalities of Dudley, Petunia, and Vernon. You get a little bit about Mrs. Fig and Marge, and there's just a lot inside of it. It was a longer chapter than I anticipated. But I really enjoy it. It sets up what's coming up next. And the story is expanding. It's unfolding. And it's just so captivating. It captures your attention. It's hard to stop reading at this point. But that is where we will leave it today. And please, if you are enjoying the show, please like it, subscribe to it, share it, rate it, rinse, repeat all of the above, please. I would love to have anyone who enjoys Harry Potter listen to this podcast. And also, if you have any suggestions, things you want to talk about, things you want to hear, things that I might have been wrong about, if you want to correct me gently, please, I ask you, correct me. Send me an email, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on one platform and you want to listen to it on another, we are on all major platforms for podcasting, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Podbean. We are on all of these. If there's one that you want to listen to it on, let me know. If I'm not on there, I will try my best to get it on there. But yeah, let me know what you guys think. Send me an email, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook group under Common Room Talk. Let me know. Tell people about the show. Get them to come listen. And please, thank you. Share it. Share it with anyone and everyone. And one last thing. Stick around after the music stops. I, uh, I'm just going to say a few things there. 
Not going to make this a regular thing, but just wanted to do a shout out really quick. But with that said, again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Tony. This is Common Room Talk. Have a great day. Hello, thank you all for kind of just sticking around after the music. I really wanted to just shout out a different podcast here to listen to called the Unc D Fiasco. That's U-N-C-D and then the word fiasco. It is a cool little podcast. They talk about a few different topics. And the last one that I listened to was about Oak Island. And it was really cool. Like the, the show, The Curse of Oak Island. It was a really cool episode to talk about the history. Uh, Dan, who does it, it, does an amazing job. Go and listen to him. Listen to all the different stories and, and subjects that he talks about. Again, that's the Unc D fiasco. He also has a Facebook page under the same name. And then also, go listen to the Fantastic Cruising podcast. I really got introduced into podcasting because of them. We went on our first cruise a few years ago. And I started listening to a podcast called The Cruise Geeks, which included Matt, who now runs the Fantastic Cruising Podcast. That's F-I-N, not F-A-N. The Fantastic Cruising Podcast. They talk about all things cruising. And if you didn't know, that does include Harry Potter, as there are trivia nights on some cruise lines, and they do Harry Potter trivia. And it is actually amazing. They ask some really good questions. Kimbra, who is the co-host of Fantastic Cruising, is also a huge Harry Potter fan. I would say she almost knows as much as me. Almost. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day.